Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Can't compete with me now, can you? Because I got pit vipers. Flannel color, because that's the best you already know. So shake them all up. I got them in full turbo mode, because that's what it's at. to the No Dumps Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Wednesday, June 9th. Almost said 8th. I'm J.E. Skeets, rolling with the homie, Tass Mellis. Fellow Blue Chewers. Hello, we got my top shot hot boy, fellow freak, Trey Kirby. Hey yo. Hey yo. The international Ayo. man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm. <laughs> and last but not least, making the magic happen. He's put up our names on the screen so you know who we are. <laughs> It's JD. <laughs> Hello. I actually left them up because I forgot to take them down. <laughs> there he is. And here we are. Yeah, I activate those when we do the Top Shot Hot yeah. Boys. I throw our uh, Top Shot usernames there in the little uh, the little lower third. But uh, just in case you don't know who we are, that's who we are. Uh, shout out to the stream team for joining us live on YouTube right now. Smash that like button. Leave your comments and subscribe. Last I checked, we're like 100 subs away. From 40k. Come on, let's do it today, people. We need 100 heroes or so to get us to 40,000 subs. So if you haven't already, subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube and uh, maybe tell a friend to do the same. Keep sending in your questions and your comments for the Beach Steppin' Podcast. You can email them in, nodunksattheathletic.com. You can tweet them in, at nodunksinc, that's I-N-C on Twitter there. We're going to hit the beach later today. So you can look to join us at approximately 3 p.m. Eastern here on Wednesday. Again, back on YouTube if you want to join us live. And then we'll turn it around and turn it into your podcast form as soon as possible. And finally, go grab your No Dunks merch over at NoDunks.com. Okay, a couple games to break down. And another award was handed out, which we'll get into. But we start with Donovan Mitchell Task scoring 45 as the Jazz rally past the Clippers here in Game 1 to take the quick series lead. Fun game there uh, in the nightcap. It was really, really fun, and the Utah Jazz are a real contender. What makes them a real contender and not just a good team that's won a lot of basketball games like we've seen in the history of the NBA is Donovan Mitchell. He can take them to another level, 45-er, but that's you know, not an aberration. It's not an anomaly from what he's done in the postseason. He's <laughs> averaging 28 points in his playoff career. That's a huge number. That's just behind LeBron James' average, just behind Kevin Durant's average. It's a higher average than Kobe Bryant had in wow. his career. Now, that's not uh, – I guess I, I'm, I'm comparing him to, to those guys, and, and I know nobody wants to anoint him one of the best players ever until he actually does it, but he's on the frickin' path. He is absolutely on that path to be a guy that takes over in the playoffs. He feels like no one can stop him at the rim. 
Uh, he feels like he is the best player on the floor. And uh, a, a huge reason why the Utah Jazz can make it to the NBA Finals and then have to face the Brooklyn Nets, because we know the Brooklyn Nets are going to be there from the Eastern Conference, <laughs> uh, is that they have home court advantage. You saw in the third quarter, Donovan Mitchell at home take over. A 16-point third quarter when they were down. Home court advantage is real, especially as you get into the second and the third rounds. We saw what happened with Phoenix and Denver in game one. Uh, This could be the finals team because Donovan Mitchell really does uh, believe in himself, believe it is himself as the number one guy. And, uh, you know, we saw what he did last year in the bubble. Now he has home court advantage to sort of take him over the top. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, he's only played in 27 playoff games only 27 but he's already got four 40 point games that's a huge number and as they were saying on the broadcast with Carl Malone in the building second all-time in NBA scoring he's also only got four 40 point games and he played in 193 playoff games so Mitchell uh yeah took over in the third he he also doesn't have Serge Ibaka on the other side of the floor the plan was for the Clippers coming into this season to have Serge Ibaka as a rim deterrent to be their starter uh, like he was for the 2019 Toronto Raptors as they became champions. And I think he would help uh, with Donovan Mitchell not feeling as comfortable around the rim. But who knows if he's going to be a factor in this series, if he's coming back. Uh, But on the other side, the Clippers, I think, just for a few positives going into game two, Kawhi was not himself in this game. He ended with 23 points, a decent number, uh, but he was... You know, he just was passing off. He was hesitant. They didn't know really where they were getting their shots. He has to beat up on Royce O'Neal, who is a really good defender. Try and get him out of the game. Quinn Snyder said as much during one of those coaches' interviews. We're just going to try and guard him one-on-one. Finally, a good coach's interview that actually had some substance right there. Uh, and, and I think we got some good audio. We'll get to that a little bit later. But um, they almost fouled out Rudy Gobert. That's, that's a great factor, a great sign. But the Rudy Gobert factor was real. I think he was, he was great uh, in stopping the other star for uh, the Clippers. Paul George was 4 of 17 in this game. So positive not really, but he did start getting getting it going at the end. He started one of eleven, finished three of six. He got that that crossover sidestep mid ranger starting to feel better. So those two guys, I think, will get better as the series went on, just like they did uh, versus the Mavericks in the first round. They learned to deal with Doncic a little bit as the series w- went on. So maybe they'll get to, uh, get to learning Donovan Mitchell a little bit better. Uh, and their role players did come out to play. So I think some positives, but uh, Donovan Mitchell uh, has shown himself to be the best player in this series thus far, and he feels great. Yeah, if you just look at Donovan Mitchell's last 12 playoff games, so just going back to the bubble in the uh, seven-game series there versus the Nuggets and then what he's done against the Grizzlies and then including that game last night, he's averaging nearly 35 points per game on Splits like 50, 47, and 93, Lily. I mean, he is locked in. And I'm, I'm glad Tass brought him up, or starting with him. I mean, he scored 45. It makes sense to start with him. But, like, he does get overlooked in conversations when we talk about, like, sort of young superstar players. He just gets lost in the shuffle. I don't know if that's because he's in Utah. I don't really know what it is. But it does feel like there's many more names that are ahead of him when we have those conversations. And uh, he reminded us, like Tass said, uh, Hey, I'm, I'm here too. Uh, Dwayne Wade's in my corner giving me tips during the game. And he yeah, just, just did a, his will in the game. Just did a quick look up. It appears that Donovan Mitchell currently averages more points per game in the playoffs than Dwayne Wade. And that was some honestly Dwayne Wade shit last sure. night from Donovan Mitchell. Tass, I think the, uh, the sound you're talking about was the huddle with Donovan Mitchell where he's saying, these guys played a game seven two days ago. If we mm-hmm. keep hitting them, they're going to get tired. And that's exactly what happened. They'll, you quit. Saw Mitchell. They'll quit if we make them. 
And they did. Um, And it was impressive, man, seeing back. I mean, I guess the Clippers didn't quit. It came down to it, but it was impressive uh, by the Jazz, really riding the flow of the crowd. The crowd was incredible. Fans are back, baby. The first round of the playoffs was all about asshole fans, just (laughs) ruining things for everybody. The second round of the playoffs, the fans have been super loud. Every game feels like a game seven. And Mitchell, yeah, it was a pretty cool. I mean, it's weird to me to see Dwayne Wade cheering on the Jazz. Oh, yeah. I'll be completely honest, but I do love the relationship between Mitchell and Wade because obviously Donovan Mitchell wants to be the next Dwayne Wade. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, I I mean, they're Marquette guys. They have similar games. Mitchell's been getting Wade comparisons forever. So I I don't know that an ownership fractionalized move can have such an impact, but it really feels like it does. Getting that veteran leadership from Dwayne Wade on the sidelines saying, hey, man, just take over. Score 32 points and a half. That's what Dwayne Wade would do. It worked. Yeah, I will say, you know, after Trey Young lit up the Sixers in game one, and we're going to get to game two lately, you know, we're like sitting here going, why the hell isn't Ben Simmons on Trey Young? Could we not sort of say the same last night, especially in that second half when Mitchell gets it going? Like, why isn't Kawhi on him? Way more. Why is it, you know, and credit to, to Mitchell and the Jazz for hunting him, but it's, it's, it's the Nard dog. It's Kennard on him a lot of times. It's Batum on him a lot. Now, he was hitting threes in Paul George's eye, and he's, an, he's a great defender, but like, why not the best defender on the guy that's, like, roasting you right now? Why not? Is that because you're worried you got to ask too much from Kawhi on the other end? Well, two things. Uh, when it was Kennard, Donovan Mitchell didn't have to shoot threes. He's like, I'm just going to the rack. Oh, and he just went he to the—it was a yeah, layup walk, line. Walk yeah. past him. But Kawhi Leonard, uh, as great as he is, as great defender as he is, we saw it against the Mavs, he doesn't really fight through any of those screens. Mitchell just kind of walked into it, and he took Kennard, and he said, okay, now I'm just going inside. So I think it has to be a little bit more aggression from Kawhi Leonard because without question, he's the guy or Paul George you want on Donovan Mitchell, not Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard gave them something offensively, but mm-hmm. the Jazz were basically like, okay, where is he? Okay, great. And then they just went in and scored uncontested. So that's the thing about Donovan Mitchell, the variance in his game. He hit some bombs last night, some Steph Curry-like threes. And then it was like, okay, now I've got a mismatch, so I'm going to take a high percentage look by going in. So that's smart basketball. That's basketball IQ. And uh, the Clippers, I think, you know, really, that first half was a great first half, but I think you started to see them just wear down because I think they did fight until the end. You know, if, if Kawhi takes that shot on Joe Ingles, who Joe Ingles actually recovered through a screen and got there and just had his arms up, he wasn't really jumping, he wasn't doing anything to do other than just to be there. Then, and that goes in, maybe gets the overtime and maybe the Clips are a chance, but it goes instead to Morris in the corner. And Rudy Gobert, I mean, we like on the offensive end, if a guy hits a shot to win the game, it's a game winner. This was a game ceiling block, an incredible play because he kind of got missed. He kind of slipped out of it and then recovered and blocked it anyway. Contesting a three-point shot, you know, you can easily get a foul. You can potentially even give up a four-point play. But I thought that was just fantastic recovery there from Rudy Gobert, and he should deserve a lot of credit for that because, yeah, the Clippers... Went small, thought we have to try to exploit Rudy Gobert, but Rudy wasn't going to be exploited last night, I don't think. I mean, Paul George had a three-point attempt a little bit earlier than that as well, where he could have driven past him, but he settled for that instead. And I think if they're going to exploit him, they have to bring him out and then drive past him to go inside, not try to shoot over him. Uh, So that's what I sort of noticed here from the Clippers. But for the Jazz, you know, this was one of those games that the Clippers probably feel they let slip in, in what's going to be a very close series. They had this one for long enough, but then the Jazz were just too good in that third quarter. And I think that was a little bit of the uh, freshness really coming into play. Home court, fresh, no Mike Conley, of course, but uh, when you've got a star like Donovan taking over like he did, uh, he, he just steered the team home. But it was, you know, it came down still to that last possession. So, you know, pretty, uh, the Clippers put up a good enough fight. Do you think the Clippers will revert back to playing big? 
Tass in game two? Will that be a move that Coach Lou makes? Like, will we see more Zubats? Uh, will he continue to go small? I mean, Cousins got a look. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, he did know, run played okay. Yeah, had a nice in, sequence in, there for a second. Yeah, in spot minutes. I mean, what does... Will Lou switch anything up? Uh, and go and, and honestly, go back to maybe playing a little more big uh, against the Jazz team that has Colbert in the middle. What do you think? No, I think they mix it up and they stay with uh, Marcus Morris as their center to start. Uh, you know, Zubat's got plenty of uh, minutes off the bench, but, uh, you know, it, it's not just to, to exploit him defensively, but it's it works to to kind of take him away offensively because they just switch everything. Uh, it, it was exactly what the Warriors did to end the season. They just switched everything in their matchups with uh, with Utah during the regular season. And it kind of helps take away Rudy Gobert's uh, offensive game. And it, he, he struggled offensively. Uh, you know, they could definitely use Mike Conley to help set him up. And Mike Conley's absence was big for sure. Uh, but no, I, th- I think they start uh, by, yeah, if... if if you go small, you just switch and you have a body in front of Rudy Gobert and Gobert's going to struggle with that. So I think that's the, the game plan. But I think they are going to get smarter in the rotations and Kawhi will take um, uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell a little bit more like he started to take Luka Doncic mm-hmm. after game one. I mean, they struggled. Maybe they weren't uh, as fresh, um, but they, uh, yeah, Kawhi just, he absolutely uh, was not right. And I don't know if they put this uh, on the bulletin board going into game two, but Donovan Mitchell saying, and the, and the cameras grabbing it and, and broadcasting it, they'll quit if we make them. I mean, I, that's something that the Clippers could rally around. Now, are the Clippers the same team as they were last year? Are they gonna? Are they just going to fall flat? I don't think so. I think they, they showed that they could bounce back in round one. They didn't fall apart here uh, in game one. They, they did fight. Uh, but yeah, right now, uh, I mean, this, the difference really is the superstar. Donovan Mitchell had a superstar game. Kawhi Leonard is supposed to be the best player in this series. He's got to bounce back. Uh, that's this game. As much as uh, you know, we want to talk about the you know the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh guy. It's about the stars. I got a haircut recently. A hairdresser said, "Are these hawks for real?" And part <laughs> of it is, yeah, sure, they're for real. Uh, but Trey Young has to be amazing. I mean, you look at the eight teams left. Uh, we've got Booker versus Jokic. We've got Kawhi here uh, versus Donovan Mitchell. We've got Trey versus Embiid. And we've got Durant versus whatever the Bucks are doing over there. you got to have a superstar performance to win this thing. And, uh, yeah, I think Kawhi just has to be better. Yeah, the difference, though, we saw Kawhi do it in the first round. He was amazing. Like, he was the Terminator. We talked about it. Um, he was doing against the Mavericks, who, you know, do not have uh, by any means, like, a lot of lockdown defenders, even the greatest team defense in the world. Whereas the Jazz, TK, I mean, Royce O'Neal, he did about as good a job as anyone can really do in his minutes against Kawhi and Paul George. Ingles always frustrates those two guys, and he's a big body, and he tries his ass off. Bogdanovich isn't even brutal defensively, I would say, on a guy like Kawhi. Now, Kawhi's always going to get his, but those guys can make it a lot more difficult than I think anything the Mavs could do. So I'm fascinated to see, is it just a little exhaustion here from a seven-game series in the quick turnaround? Or is it a little bit more, maybe, whoa, this is a much better defensive team here in the Jazz, individually and then a collective group because you've got Gobert back there. I thought Favors came in, absolutely changed the game a little bit defensively too. That's going to be the big question mark outside of like, yeah, you need playoff P here, pandemic P, and then the Terminator to play better and play at least to a closer level to uh, like what Donovan did last night. 
Yeah, real quick, another shout out for the Jazz fans. Coming up with the playoff P and the overrated chance, that's how you do it. You don't gotta pass out a sheet ahead of the game. <laughs> Everybody knows these things that you can just come up with yep. on the fly, and it was exciting. Um, I think it's kind of everything, though, Skeets. I do think um, that the schedule for the Clippers really played a factor in this, you know, since basically last week they've been flying back and forth, back and forth from... Uh, California to Texas, Texas to California. Now we're going to Utah. Meanwhile, Kawhi Leonard was carrying Mm -hmm. uh, the Clippers in their first round series, especially in games six and seven. Then you step up in defense, like you're saying. Royce O'Neal did a great job. And I would even factor in uh, Reggie Jackson falling out in 17 minutes. I think that was a huge thing just because he's a guy who can move the ball, can make it so that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George can get shots where they're not just kind of facing the Jazz defense taking them on one on five. That's impossible. The Jazz are the best defensive team in the league for a few consecutive seasons. They want to slow it down and make you have to grind through possessions. So a better Reggie Jackson, a better Kawhi Leonard, and just kind of getting into this series, I think is going to be big for the Clippers. We will see in game two, because like Tass is saying, you got to have big performances from your stars. I think Kawhi will bounce back. He tends to get stronger as these series go on. And obviously you're going to take him in a matchup over Royce O'Neal over the course of the series. Game one, You know, this should have been a win for the Jazz. They did a great job to ride their fans, to ride their rest, and to come through in the clutch there. But if you're the Clippers, you just need to win one in Utah. That could be game two. It's going to have to be a massive performance from Kawhi. It wasn't looking good at the start, Lily, for the Jazz and their fans. (laughs) Missing, what was it? What did it get up to? 21 consecutive shots. Uh, And it felt like, you know, uh, I don't know, 75% of those were three-pointers. And uh, people that were maybe seeing the Jazz play for the first time were confused. Why did the Jazz take so many three-pointers? Well, Mm. that's what they do. Uh, Didn't they set the all-time record for three-point attempts from a team this season? Uh, They they start to let it fly uh, with all those shooters. But, yeah, to to miss 20-plus shots in a row... And still be in the game. That was the big thing. It's, it was a little bit like the Clippers let them off the hook a bit there. And a, a big part, of course, is the Jazz still have the defense. So it's like, okay, we can miss 20 in a row. Our defense is still going to keep us in games, hopefully. That's what happened there. Like, that that it happens against, I don't know, in any other series. I bet it's like a, I don't know, how is it not like a 25-point lead or something like that? But it was never that crazy, right? It was mm. like seven uh, I believe at the end of the first quarter, something similar to that. So yeah. they were just still there despite not being able to hit a shot. Mm. Was it the Rockets who missed? Oh, well, I guess that was 27 threes they missed, wasn't yeah. it, against the Warriors in that game? We cost them in a game seven. But that, that is the way the Jazz played. And maybe that's a little bit of the rust factor for them, that they just weren't uh, weren't as fresh from the start. But you know they're not going to go away from that strategy because they can all shoot them. You know, Jordan Clarkson finally, he, he lit it up and had six off the bench. Jingles didn't shoot them all that well, only one for eight. But they got contributions from guys because that's how how they play their offense. You saw Bogdanovich with that sort of inbound steal, just step out to a three, hit another one late as well. He's got such a beautiful stroke to him. Like it, I, I'm shocked he ever misses. Really, he's just uh, him and uh, Boggy in uh, Atlanta. They're just they, it's just beautiful to watch. So that's the thing that the Clippers couldn't exploit it and really uh, drive that advantage home. And once the Jazz started knocking them down, they just got back into the game. And as I said before, Mitchell, I mean, in that third quarter, he was not afraid of. Uh, he wasn't letting those pass misses catch up with him. He was still firing away and getting deeper and deeper on them as well and uh they were great but that's the thing with the with the clippers they they, you know ty Lue seems to think that they can somehow play rudy gobert out of this game and out of this series i just don't think that's a factor at all rudy knows what they're going to try to do and quinn snyder's not going to say yeah we can't we can't have uh, rudy gobert on the floor right now and ty Lue said after the game about one of the reasons why he didn't call a timeout is he didn't want the jazz to take rudy off the floor that was never ever going to happen 
Quinn Snyder's not going to take Rudy Gobert off the floor unless he's in foul trouble in this series and there's, you know, 10 minutes to go. So I don't see that as a factor at all. I think the Jazz are waiting for that and they're ready for it, even though, you know, if you can get Rudy on the perimeter, there's an advantage to be taken potentially, but he's not going to be like Enes Kanter, you can't play, sit on the bench. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was talking about that final play where they just brought it up. And they're like, oh, well, if we call timeout, they'll take Rudy off because they want a bunch of, they know we need a three-pointer yeah. and they're going to want to switch everything. And, you know, again, can you exploit Rudy on the perimeter? Well, I don't think Marcus Morris can by any means. Uh, and that was an awesome defensive play. You said it from Ingles, from Royce O'Neal. Like, they blew it up. They just blew up the play. And I was a little surprised that Paul George or Kawhi did not take the three. Oh, they both passed, yeah. I know. I mean, I, I Kawhi get Kawhi stumbled. Yeah, right. he stumbled, but he got it yeah. back, right? And then, he had, uh, yeah, he had clean possession though, like yeah, before before Jingles sort of got to him. And then, I mean, Marcus Morris, I think, finished one for nine from the field. I mean, he's he's a better shooter. He hit seven threes, I think, in game seven there, so he can hit yeah. it. But if Paul gets it and then Kawhi gets it, one of those guys should be taking that shot. Yeah. yeah, I think Kawhi would have let it rip if he didn't stumble. That kind of allowed Joe Ingles to catch up to him. I think the play was uh, uh, for Kawhi to to let it rip as soon as he got it, and it was a good play call to be able to come down without a timeout and to have a little weave. It was a Rondo handoff to Paul George, to, to Kawhi Leonard. But yeah, I think uh, Joe Ingles caught up to him. And Kawhi was definitely uh, a little reluctant in this game. He just he just wasn't right. So yeah, then the pass to the corner. And then Rudy G came out there. It was a beautiful, beautiful block for Rudy. Trey, I know you've changed your tune when it comes to this player, but do you uh, enjoy the fact that... Uh... Playoff P slash Pandemic P goes 4-17 and getting the chance and, you know, Twitter's having some fun with him. Um, or have you have you matured in your ways still? <laughs> I didn't mind it, man. The guy went to the free throw line 10 times, knocked down nine of them. He didn't shoot well from the field, but, I mean, yeah, if he shoots better, probably uh, the Clippers win. I didn't really feel like Paul George was the reason mm. uh, that the Clippers blew that last night. I just thought that that was a jazz win. That was a perfect jazz win. Even coming down to that last play, Obviously, Ty Lue should have called the timeout at some point. Maybe not when they get the rebound, but like when Kawhi bobbles the ball. Or even when Marcus Morris gets it in the corner, he's got like four seconds, yeah. I do think, right? And everybody knows he needs to shoot a three-pointer. Rudy Gobert is one of the tallest guys in the league. He's just standing there. Like, yeah. everybody in the stream team is saying, why didn't Morris just jump into Rudy? Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. We complain about that all the time, and now you're saying that should be the strategy? No. Play it straight. They should have called a timeout. That was a botch by Ty Lue. Obviously, Rudy's not going to come off the court there, but you could have run a real play. Yeah, I think Rudy did a sort of a little slick job. I think he talked about it after, or maybe it was one of the other Jazz players or Snyder. Like, he sort of, like, shaded into the paint there when all that, like, stuff was going on with Ingles and Kawhi and O'Neal and Paul George. And, like, he sort of, like, made it look like, well, I'll go protect the rim and then... You know, they see he's him open, Morris, to some extent, but he had already made his way back out and closed out, and then he was all over him, and there's nowhere to go. The guy's got the, he's got like the longest wingspan in the league, yeah. doesn't he? It's like one of the longest. So yeah, uh, yeah, there was no chance, and yeah, well, yeah, jumping into him like Gobert was also like not lunging at him or anything. He had he had closed out perfectly. He was like, I'm just gonna stand here. You, you have, have to, to hit, shoot like, it from here. Same yeah. shot over Good me. Good luck. Yeah. I got long arms. Yeah, and it's not like Morris was on fire in this game too. It was just weird. I mean. You, you would love to see Kawhi or Paul George still take that shot. They're going to get a better look than what Morris got in the end. And you're right, PK. I mean, I'm sure Ty, if he could have it back, he's going to call a timeout. And you're going to come up with a, a little more motion and something like that where maybe you're hitting someone 
right in the pocket on a pass to a corner or something like that after a little movement. But whatever. Great defense, I think, from the Jazz there. I think overall they played great defense in this game. Maybe it was a little fatigue from the Clips, but they're goddamn good defensive unit. That's without Conley out there, too, mm. which is pretty special. Anything to add to this game one, uh, which should be, you know, shape up to be a really fun series? Anything I missed? Anything you guys want to bring up? I just wanted to see a little more inside-out basketball by the Jazz, and I think that's where Mike Conley would have helped. In that first half where it was a clank, 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 it was crazy that they got up to 20 missed shots. I think if Conley's in there, that doesn't happen. They Probably play inside-out. Yeah. Like, they are, yeah, they have shot the most threes of any NBA team in the history of the game, but... It's set up from inside-out play. This was outside-in play, and uh, the Clippers are actually lucky that uh, you know without Conley on the floor, they were just kind of passing around the perimeter, and it was quick one shot. You know, maybe maybe a little nervousness. Maybe the second round just they they just were a little rusty, but uh, yeah, inside-out. That, that's that's what they got to do. So Conley is uh, a big big factor for that. You know, he is their best sort of setup man, uh, and it, then Joe Ingles goes back to the bench and and helps him out there. So. That's uh, that. That could be big for them if if Mike Conley comes back, and they're playing every second day here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they every single game is uh, every second day. No no two dayer mm. uh, breaks like like the Hawks and Sixers are getting. Yeah, but playing a little catch up, I guess, out west here with some of these series, with uh, the ones in the East ending a little quicker. That's it's uh, might come into play. You're right, Tass, because a lot of the other ones get at least sometimes those little bit of a longer break. Um, but I don't know who does that. <laughs> who does that favor here? I mean, they're trying to get Conley back. Mm-hmm. So in, on one hand, you know that that shortened schedule there for a series uh, maybe that hurts the Jazz. On the other hand, you know the Clippers have played a seven game series and uh, played some battles there against the Mavericks. So maybe it uh, that's a plus for the Jazz. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Let's I'd just it. like to clarify one thing. I said Dwayne Wade and Donovan Mitchell both went to Marquette. I'm a liar. Donovan Mitchell went to the to University Louisville. of Louisville, so I will take the L on this one. Yeah, you're I'll, take a, I'll take another L for doing it backwards. I thought I had it all right. There we go. An <laughs> official thinking L of Jimmy, on that you? one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe I was thinking of Jimmy. They all seem to roll together, and you throw Victor Oladipo in the mix as well. He played for Dwayne Wade's college coach. He wanted to be Dwayne Wade as well. <laughs> You know, these strong guards, man. These guys get to the rim, and I love to see it. Everybody's trying to be a junior Michael Jordan, just like Dwayne Wade. That's right. I just want to be Dwayne Wade and uh, host my own show coming up called The Cube, where I go in and try and help people, I guess, play weird games to win the money. Is that what the show is? Yeah, it's like uh, some sort of, you got to do some sort of task, but maybe you can uh, tap in Dwayne Wade as the guy <laughs> to complete Wade it really for you. Is really good at these weird games? Is that what we're led to believe? Probably. Yeah, probably. I trust in him. Yeah. How many things has Dwayne Wade got going on right now? He had his wine, big some big wine announcement the other day. He's a Did part he? owner yeah. in the jazz. He's doing the TV. He's on NBA uh, T- on TNT. Like he's everywhere right yeah. now. I mean, he's he's not a businessman. He's a business man. <laughs> Nailed it. All right, let's take a quick break, guys, to hear from our sponsors. I got to get something off my chest. Nothing drives me crazier than sending a message to a group chat and getting no response. That's why I'm a big emoji responder. Love a hang loose hand or a salute. But man, it hurts when you send a message and get nothing back. Ouch! We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. 
It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks. This episode of No Dunks is brought to you by BetterHelp. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. It's NBA playoffs time, and that means NBA snack time. I can't stop eating while I'm watching. So many options in my house that I got to cut out a bit. I got to switch it up, but I know I'm not giving up. Sunflower seeds? Sure. But maybe something that's not a food for that oral fixation? Perhaps? Good thought. Here's a breath of fresh air. Fume. Fume takes your habit and simply makes it better, healthier, and more enjoyable. Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavored air device. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Its taste is surprising. All natural stuff. It's fun to fidget with, and it's a good weight. The wood feels good, and it feels cool to use. Start the good habit by going to tryfume.com slash dunks and getting the journey pack today. Fume is giving listeners to the show 10% off when they use our code dunks to help make starting the good habit that much easier. All right, back with no dunks here. Let's talk a little Sixers, Hawks, sad caca. Shake Milton saves the Sixers. Wow, out of nowhere and beat a monster. Philly evens their series. We're tied at one game apiece as we uh, head back to the fortress here with Lee Ellis trying to find tickets <laughs> for game three in a hurry. But TK, take away from uh, the Sixers game two victory here. Love a good random role player playoff <laughs> game. Yeah. Love it. We've already had a few in the playoffs so far. Had two Bryn Forbes games, basically. <laughs> we had an Austin Rivers game and you'll set it there, Skeets. This one last night was the Shake Milton game. Shake what your Milton gave ya! The man was out of the rotation, not much time against the Wizards, but the Sixers bench was struggling in the first half. Zero points. Mm-hmm. After halftime, Doc Rivers goes to the drive-thru and says, give me a shake. Milton <laughs> checks in and immediately hits a three, puts the Sixers up in the third quarter. Crowd gets into it, a little bit of juice, a little bit of life after things had kind of been tilting the Hawks' way. Then Shake Milton hit what I think was the biggest shot of the night. A 36-foot buzzer beater at the end of the third quarter turned a four-point lead with the Hawks threatening into a seven-point lead, and the Philly fans were going crazy. A huge momentum shot kept it rolling into the fourth quarter. First possession of the fourth quarter for the Sixers. Shake finds Dwight for an alley-oop. The crowd's going nuts. Shake hits a jumper the next possession down. Suddenly, it's an 11-point lead for the Sixers with 10 minutes left. Shake hits another three, and it's an 18-point game. 
in five minutes of playing time for Shake Milton. He, it was wild, man. 14 points in 14 minutes, four threes, a plus 15. We talk about it all the time. So-and-so can win you a quarter in the playoffs. Yep. So-and-so can win you a game in the playoffs. Shake Milton did it for the Sixers. They could have easily been down 0-2. Now they got a little bit of momentum heading into game three. Awesome stuff for Shake Milton. Yeah, it was crazy. Now I saw AU get off my gold, Andrew Unterberger, obviously a diehard Sixers fan. I don't know if you saw it on uh, Twitter too, Trey. He was like, we're not calling this the Shake Milton game. We need to call it it something else. Because his point is... Uh, Shake Milton had like that 39 point game if you remember that where he hit a bunch of threes Lee against the Clippers a couple of years ago um, and then you know he also had a game winner too I guess that's not so, the, the Shake so Milton what you're game. saying is this is the Shake Milton game since those ones are not memorable mm. this one's well, in the playoffs the Sixers fans I get hey look I'm agreeing with you this is how I'm going to remember Milton game, game two yeah this is uh, you know double shake I don't know the extra thick this shake something like that there's got to be something there <laughs> lately but it was crazy I mean Doc is like like Trey said is like nobody's doing anything off our bench we suck can anybody uh, mix this up and Shake Milton had been pretty bad he'd shot 4-19 and 19 in the playoffs so far and then explodes and uh you know took over at the end of the third quarter into the fourth as uh philly pulled away and there's a lot more to dissect from this game but it does start with uh with shake there uh, oh it does because the hawks got a lead in the third quarter that looked unlikely after the start because it was the tobias harris game at the start he was just everywhere (laughs) finished with only 22 points uh which is kind of shocking i mean when you combine him his start and shakes finish there those two were certainly the stars. Of course, Joel Embiid, his 40 points, kind of gets uh, you know a little bit lost in the shuffle just because of the, those two other performances here. But this one, uh, the Hawks looked rattled, and I think a part of it was the way they started the Sixers with Ben Simmons on Trey Young. It just disrupted their offense. They couldn't get anything really going because that's what Trey has done against the Knicks, and he did in Game One, where it was like he has you know like those quarters where it's like 15 points and five assists to, to start things out. But this wasn't the case. In fact, the Hawks couldn't even get anything going, and then. They fought back through a little bit of an unlikely source themselves, and Danilo Gallinari. Uh, he lit up, had a coast to coast dunk in this game, which was just wild to see. It was a bit like a Kyle Anderson slow mo there. Yeah. Um, but the Hawks, I thought, got themselves into a really good position there. Kevin Huerta, love saying that name. He once again was really important. He came out pretty early mm. in this one because Solomon Hill uh, didn't do all that much to start the game. And I wonder if that's a, uh, a move that Nate McMillan considers for game three, just starting Kevin Huerta because he's big enough and Solomon Hill wasn't really giving them anything out there. Uh, but you saw the big change there, of course. You know, Simmons starting on on um, on Trey Young. And I think the, the Hawks were like, well, Boggy, if... Danny Green's on you. We're going to go to try to find you, get you some baskets. He couldn't knock those ones down early on. So this one, uh, another fun game, uh, but it really basically did turn at the end of that third quarter and the start of the fourth where Doc Rivers was a break open in case of emergency situation. And he got lucky there with Shake Milton who who just lit it up. So that's all it can be sometimes, you know, in a a playoff game. It can be a five or six minute period where the other team uh, opens it up. Dwight then had a dunk. And I think, uh, you know, he was happy to get out there and get some minutes as well. Uh, but, you know, this is, a, this is going to be a fun series now because the emphasis now, as the Hawks come away still with a victory, getting the split and stealing home court advantage, how do they now uh, mix things up for Game 3 to try to get Trey uh, going a little bit early on? Because even those shots that he took when he did get some were, were rushed or deeper than even he likes to take them. And just a, a, a way better defensive effort from the Sixers on Trey, trying to sort of uh, stagnate him a little bit and in turn the Hawks' offense early on. 
Yeah, Tess, how are Hawks fans feeling here, you think? Uh, you know, they did fight back from 18 down. It was not looking pretty there early. It looked like this could be a 30-point blowout like we had saw the night before with Nets-Bucks. And, and instead, they took the lead at one point and found some things that were working and sort of survived that avalanche, that wave there from the Sixers early, and, and gave themselves a chance until, of course, Shake Milton popped up. But they got the split here in, in Philly. Are, are they feeling good or are they worried because, like, my God, we can't slow Embiid. That's 39 in game one, which we somehow won, the Hawks did. And then, of course, 40 and 13 last night. And, you know, maybe they you got Tobias Harris, like, showing off his size a little bit early. They went at Trey Young and transitioned right away in this game, too. Like, I don't know, where, where, where's Nate McMillan and the Hawks feeling after the split in Philly, but, you know, this loss last night where they were in it? Well, they got to be positive. They got to be a little reluctantly positive, I think. Not, you know, not overly positive. They, they, they need to take both games at home. I think to make this a, a, a true series, they can't go back tied at two uh, to Philly. Uh, they sh- they have to be worried about Joel Embiid, obviously. Yeah, because oh. I thought he's going to wear down at some point. He he, he does have a, a a very very slight meniscus tear, uh, but no, uh-uh. uh uh, he's not stopping. And so if uh, if Philly is uh, feeling good as they should, uh, yeah, it's. It's it's worrisome for the Hawks, no doubt. But yeah, throw Kevin Herter in the starting lineup instead of Solomon Hill, and uh, you know you can hope DeAndre Hunter comes back. But you, they have to start better. And and the fact that they came back in that third quarter, they can get shots on this defense. They they can stretch out Danny Green. Danny Green is slowly chugging along there on the perimeter, and he he is uh, unable to find guys. But the Hawks got to be so so positive about having both Trey Young and Bogdan Bogdanovich out there. You know, one of those guys can get off because Danny Green is is going to be trailing them, or Seth Curry is going to be running after them. You know, they can pick their their poison as they did at the beginning of this game. It didn't work out to start, but now they know it's coming. And and Bogdan Bogdanovich not scared of the moment, as is Trey Young. So I, I think they should feel, yeah, just a just a little reluctantly positive. Okay. Uh, so I, I think they, uh, other than the fact that this is the NBA TV series of the second round, they should be happy. There is no NBA TV series in the second round, but this series is going on Friday and going on Monday. They don't even get a weekend game. <laughs> uh, they're just they're just chucking it out there, but uh, but. Still Still, those tickets are really expensive, eh, Lee? Even yeah. though this is, uh, is yeah. an NBA TV series. Don't worry, don't worry. I, I, I'm working on something here, but... Uh, yeah. What are you working we're, on? Well, They're you know, going to be standing pricey. Room. Yeah, we'll, we'll get the standing room ones. We'll get the standing room. Oh, they they, they know, haven't man. gone on sale yet. Yeah, I don't know, man. Well, you're not even buying a seat, eh? You're just going to ah, stand there. It's better. You feel like you're one of the boys when you're standing. That's what the real fans do, you know? <laughs> All right. I'm in, yeah. man. You keep, All right. you keep an eye on the books. They're not don't for worry. sale yet for Friday night? No, Friday the, night, the boys out at the fortress having a pop know, standing around know. what's better than that hey what's better than that Jeez. <laughs> guys being dudes yeah. i mean uh we're still probably looking at uh what 150 for those bad boys is that how i was it you said uh, it's weird so the friday night i went standing room they were 114 but then okay. the sunday standing room they're only 50 bucks so uh oh, i know i, I thought the Everybody's weekend would be weekend during like a, a matinee game would be more expensive but they're not so who knows okay we'll find out though Oh, they're going up. Second round, price gone up. I don't know. I, I think at least a buck fifty. Probably closer to two. Let's oh, talk. Let's not talk for standing. I don't think for standing. Uh, <laughs> You're yeah. crazy, man. You get yeah. your own little spot. They they draw out your shoes. 
and you have to stand right in that spot. <laughs> oh, look, there's a bit of no, jostling Lisa, for sure. Yeah, you, you've got to hold your ground for sure. No doubt about it. You get there early, so you hold it. But do you then, guys uh, want to link arms when we get there? <laughs> yeah, we might have Red to. Rover. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a nice a good nickname spot. for Kevin Huerta, Red Rover. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it is one-one. You're right. Reluctantly, uh, sort of positive. I like how you put that task. Uh, going back to Atlanta here, I am still dumbfounded. I, I hate to go back to it, but I am dumbfounded by Doc's decision to not start this series off by putting one of the NBA's best perimeter defenders on Trey Young right from the jump. I was like trying to think of a single good reason why and there's nothing that I could come up with because like, okay, uh, here would be a reason why. Trey Young, oh, he's been struggling in the playoffs. Well, no. He was averaging like 30 points per game versus the Knicks. Became like the ultimate villain in Madison Square Garden. He turned into Reggie Miller. So that's not a, not a good reason. Maybe you're worried about tiring Ben Simmons out. You know, oh, like like Kawhi, you can understand. Like, ooh, we put him on the best player in Donovan Mitchell. Ah, we also need a good 30, 35 from him. He might get too tired. Well, it's Ben Simmons. He's not leading your offense by any means in terms of, like, scoring 20 to 30 points. He's 24 years old. He's a physical freak. I think that's okay. That's not a good reason. Maybe you have a better option, an equal option. Ah, Matisse Thibel, okay, maybe, but you started Danny Green on him. I just, like, it's still, like... Just absolutely dumbfounded by that decision. But it was good to see in game two. Yeah, just put Ben Simmons on him. And it worked. It's not as easy for Trey Young to uh, obviously get by him, to have a little more space. It's just like make life more difficult for him. So that, that was good. And, uh, you know, at least the Hawks still uh, do have this 1-1 split. And it's a best of five now. I thought Seth Curry, too, was pretty big for the Sixers in the first half, especially Lee. I think he went four for four from three. And you, need, you just need some shooting out there with Embiid. That's, mm-hmm. that's always been big with this team. Yeah, I think he finished 21 points, five or six from downtown. It's funny, he's he, he's a better shooter from three than he is from two. I mean, like, it's got the genes, of course, in the family there, but uh, he missed a lot of those shots inside that you're like, he should be able to hit those ones in. But uh, he, the only problem is with him, I think Doc sometimes has to pull him off because he needs the defensive matchup out there, and I think that's uh, a part of the reason. But uh, when the ball comes to him in any sort of position now on the three-point line, it's like, I'm shocked when it doesn't go in. He's just, uh, he's really improved his game to that point where he's just such an incredible knockdown shooter. And it happened twice there last night. One of the times where it came just off, a, I, I think it might have been an MB miss and it just bounced out to Seth. And he stepped in and knocked it down. And, uh, you know, he's been a great pickup for them. Well done to Daryl Morey, just sort of plucking him away from the Mavericks. What was the Blazers? No, Mavericks. Yeah, Mavericks. Mavericks. Yeah, they yeah. could have used him. Yeah, they could have used him. Yeah. yeah, the yeah. shooting, no doubt. Um, I saw Jason Maple's tweet last night, too, just uh, going back to Matisse Thibel, who played great, I thought, too, and we know he's a great defensive guy. He said, quote, Matisse is 36% three-point shooting away from generational wealth. He is something else defensively. I just thought that was a great tweet. Like, Matisse Thibel, just just work on your three-point shot. That's all you got to do during the summer. Just become like an average, a tiny bit above average three-point shooter. And my God, you are going to make a lot of money in this league because he's so he awesome defensively. San Antonio Danny Green was. That's really <laughs> what he was, you know, three-point shooter and a better defender. But of course, that's he's, right. he's even a better defender than Danny Green ever Yeah, was. he is. He is. Um, but, the, but that's the thing with Danny Green is he just, he just moves so slowly out there. And, uh, and that's where the Hawks are like, all right. <laughs> oh, he does. I mean, like he's, he's been. Yeah, man. He's been yeah. uh, he's been a very good uh, professional throughout his career. You know, really understood what his role is because remember he I think he had the most threes in the finals for five games there with the Spurs. Picked up a championship with the Raptors. Always found himself in the right spot at the right time. But you can't just look at him out there on the floor now and not just think he's the weakness of that starting unit. And uh, and and again, I think Bogdanovich and the Hawks are like Trey. We expect Ben Simmons on you. 
So Bogey, you're the one who's going to have to make him work a little bit here. And uh, he did. He could have put him again a little bit under under a little bit more pressure, I thought. But anyway, great series. Fun series. Yeah. They got to change Danny Green's name now. Now that now that he's old, it's a Dan Green. Can't be Danny <laughs> Dan Green, Green anymore. Danny's he's almost thirty-four. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's a little whippersnapper name. Uh, yeah, he, he doesn't have the foot speed anymore. So they're 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 trying to stretch him out. I love the dance between Trey Young and Ben Simmons, though. Ben Simmons isn't going to foul Trey Young. Trey Young wants to be fouled over and over and over again, and, and that's why the reason behind Doc Rivers not starting him on Trey in game one was was him worrying about fouls. I disagree with the reasoning. It's not yeah. not smart. But Ben Simmons, you can see, we know that Trey is going to, you know, do his little floppity flops. He's going to get you get you into or get into your body and then and then flop off and get some foul calls. But Ben Simmons, you'd think would be all over Trey, but he's giving him plenty of space because he knows that even going around a screen, he gives him you know a little bit of a foot, and he knows that he can trail and catch up with that mm-hmm. length. And uh, he's not going to get caught on these uh, these tray little little maneuvers. He's he's being smart, giving him an, just enough space. And then then Tybal comes in, who Ugh. who Doc Rivers called uh, the Lou Williams of defense, you know, in round <laughs> one. Yeah. And, and now he's facing Lou Williams on the other side. <laughs> I don't know if that was a mind game. Looking forward to round two, but uh, yeah, Lou Williams. He was all right. He's, but uh, yeah, Trey's, Trey was just, he was rattled a bit. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll find his flow. Yeah, he was, he was taking long bombers and he wasn't really slowing down, you know, into his pace. Uh, but they got to take game three and game four. I don't know what you guys think, but I, I just, I can't see them going back 2 2 and, hmm. and sneaking a win in Philadelphia to win this series. I'm thinking big picture. I want them to win this series. But, uh, you know, if they go back 2-2 with Philly having two games out of three. Anyway, hope yeah, to get can't have I uh, can't have Embiid outplay the entire front court. No. That was uh, pretty tough. I think 18 points from uh, Capella, John Collins, and Solomon Hill last night. And obviously, Embiid had 40. The guy is locked in right now. There was that time when Capella got a dunk on him, and then they just gave the ball to Embiid the next time down, and he sent Capella back to Atlanta before dunking on him. That was pretty impressive. Embiid is unstoppable in this series, so if I'm the Sixers, I'm actually loving how bad Danny Green is playing right now, because that's one of the keys. Your fans have to turn on Danny Green before he starts showing (laughs) up in the playoffs. You have to think he's going to blow it for you before he comes through in the clutch. They're going to start doubling Embiid hardcore, because Capella has no chance against Embiid. Embiid is looking like he's 100% right now, so they're going to have to do something to get other guys taking shots. That's going to end up with Danny Green wide open in the corner. He makes them a lot in the playoffs. He hasn't thus far, but I would have a little confidence he knocks one down when it really matters. Ah, I will say, too, off of uh, Embiid's monster game, this narrative that I saw a couple times last night and this morning with Jokic winning MVP... And people trying to somehow compare Embiid's monster game as like a revenge game and like hearkening back to the 95 series where it was, was it 95, 96, mm. uh, where David Robinson gets MVP and then Hakeem goes off and like torches him in that game one and in that series completely. What? Just because Doc Rivers was on that Spurs team and now he's on the other. Well, come on. Come on. I mean, I get it. You're searching for something. It's fun. And I, like, I love these guys that are writing some of these narratives, too. I think it was McMenamin. I think I saw our man Dan Devine like, sneak it into a Great Ringer article about him beating the Sixers. But it's like, what are we doing here? This thing, there's nothing alike at all. At all. They're not even going against each other. If we get Embiid versus Jokic in the finals, sure. All right. Then it makes some sense. 
Not Embiid going for 40 and 13 on Capella on the same tight night Jokic gets MVP. And just because Doc Rivers is somehow involved in both teams, that's a, that's a stretch in my opinion, Tass. Well, yeah. but listen, Adam Silver, you know, he likes to uh, build these things up. So maybe he was like, listen, if we give it to uh, Jokic and Embiid needs a win, maybe that's where we can spark <laughs> Okay, him. sure, sure. Uh, I thought the worst double techs of all time were called two last night on uh, Gallinari gets whacked in the face and then pushed. And he gets a tech foul for that, you know, because uh, Embiid sort of like bumped what into him. What was Embiid do- Like, he only did that to fire himself and the crowd yeah. up. I'm 100% yeah. convinced. Like, it but, was like, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm with uh, you. Gallinari did nothing. No, no, <laughs> no. And, uh, and, you know, they went to review it. And I was like, surely, because it looked like, so Scott Foster gave him both tees. And it looked like Embiid you know, yelled or said something. And it looked like Foster was about to give him another one. And I was like, you can't throw oh the man God. after this. No way. And the push, I'm, if I'm Nate McMillan, I'm like going to leak. Gallinari's not going to, you know, he's not a danger to get suspended. And it was like, how can that guy get a tech foul for that? What did he do wrong? They got up and they sort of like bumped shoulders and then he got pushed. And that was it. So, I mean, come on. Oh, I think Embiid purposely bumped shoulders. Yeah, you said so why. That's what I mean. purposely created contact between Gallinari and then went back like he was pissed off with the push. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is but, like, uh, I still don't know why. I think he just does it to, like, get himself going, get the crowd going insane. I'm, like, convinced. But it's a fine line. You're right, Lee. You know, like, someone else runs in and pushes him, and then he does something you shouldn't, shouldn't do, and then suddenly you are tossed, and you're, the, you're obviously the best player in this, in this series, and you would kill your team's but chances But also just win, being on, that, on that warning for the rest of the game, too. It's just, yeah, I, yeah, I, right, I, that, that's right. just unnecessary because then, you know, Embiid could get tangled up easily with someone in a, in a very minor incident, get yeah. another double T, and he's gone. And, uh, and that's not what we want in this series at all. We want, we want to see, you know, apart from DeAndre Hunter, of course, Everyone out there healthy, playing well. And uh, this, is, this has been a great series, and, and that's what we want to see. We don't want anything decided by a needless tech foul where someone gets uh, ejected possibly for it. Yeah, but again, he, that, he did that. He created that tech foul. That one you can't tell me Embiid didn't deserve. No, well... He did. Well, I, really? You think he did? Well, in today's game, yeah, he bumped <laughs> shoulders with the guy purposely, right? then went and pushed him. But and I'm sure he's talking like, up shit. The push like, was I mean, like he almost couldn't even reach him. I mean, that's that's where but, it's but like. But why? Right. Why did he do it? I mean, it's pretty yeah, unnecessary. Yeah, Can you agree? We like, need it, a... Unnecessary, yes. But yeah. surely the refs can look at that and go, "We're not giving. We're certainly not giving Gallinari a tech. And Okay, I mean, that I agree with. That part I agree with. I don't think <laughs> this the is a nice long conversation about these two techs. The only <laughs> thing that can make it better is get Jason Phillips in here from the NBA front <laughs> office. Bring here. him in. Bring him in, referee <laughs> Jason Phillips. Where's Monty McCutcheon when you need him? Oh man. But, no, I mean, you're right. It's pointless in the end because he continued to play and dominate. But <laughs> your point's taken, Lee. Like, I, I think it was just dumb on Embiid's part. It's dumb, right. dumb, yeah. yeah. Because but, he plays later in this game and he gets caught up with Compella and a couple yeah. elbows go a little too high and then it's another double tech. It's like, oh, you already got one. You're gone. Yeah. Yeah. That's brutal. That's dumb. Uh, yes. But, you know, he was fine. I'll, I'll complain about something, too. Uh, did you see yeah, Kawhi Leonard get called for a free throw lane violation? Yeah. What the was that? You don't give a point to another team because a guy leans in on a free throw from the side. I mean, that was pointless. Well, if you do that, then you almost have to do it every single exactly. free throw just about. Yeah, exactly. Someone's doing something. Oh, you know what they don't care about anymore, too, I've noticed? Uh, when someone's shooting <laughs> a go. technical foul, and you know how you're supposed to stay outside the three-point line? Yeah. I think it was in the Jazz game, too. There was one moment, because it was when they got heated there a little bit. Uh, I think it was, it was someone Mark in Morris. the game. 
What's that? I think it was Marcus Morris. Don't call me Mark Morris. <laughs> yeah. Mark he, he, Morris. Yeah. We got to attack Mac, Mark Morris. Okay, yeah. So Bogdanovich, though, is like three feet in the three-point line. When someone's like shooting the free throw, it's like, all right, we don't care about this anymore. You're not supposed to be that close. I know. I know. But, but that, that's also but then we get something. A three, then we yeah. get a lane violation? That's oh, yeah. very weird. Yeah. Yeah. We had a three-second violation last night, too. My God. Officials <laughs> all over it. Uh, all right, let's take one more break uh, before we talk about MVP Jokic. Uh, quick break here from our sponsors. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. <laughs> I can't wait for happy hour on Thursday night. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, excellent. Good stuff. You looked it up, Lily. I did. Uh, fantastic, I did. Uh, it's a bit longer there. than I remember it was. I didn't oh, want to put the whole thing in there. Iconic so scene. Yeah. yeah. I would love to see a young Lee Ellis in that bar in cocktail, <laughs> in that neon bar there, <laughs> dancing to, I don't uh, yeah. know. Who would you be dancing to? What, in the late 80s? That would probably be sure. a little bit of... Um, George Michael, uh, Ruba, Jamaica. The, uh, what well, was that song? Uh, Beach Kokomo. Boys. Uh, yeah, Beach yeah, yeah. Boys Kokomo yeah. in the Kokomo, club. Kokomo was huge. Turn up that Beach Boys. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't going to clubs when I was thirteen. But I mean, we we, we had those discos. You know the. Um, you know, the old, uh, you know, parent supervised discos. It was. Yeah, yeah. It must have been on during that. So. Yeah. Didn't you have a story recently about dancing until the early morning in a Russian dance club? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we Skull. led to believe that they were playing Kokomo by the Beach Boys when you're going wild? The funny thing is, uh, that was actually uh, uh, London Beat. Uh, uh, I'm think, I've been thinking about been you. Thinking but about the funny you. thing was, in Pskov, it was 2004. 2005 but it felt like i was in the late 80s because all the bangers were from the sort of late right. 80s early 90s so there's a good chance kokomo was on shout out to uh shout out to john stamos out there uh yeah. yeah he was a drummer in that one wasn't he he was a, he was a, he was a big um he was a big fan a big uh friend of the beach boys is one of the boys, basically. Yeah, yeah. Hang on, just wait, 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 one sec, one sec. I got a little something here, but uh... wait, are you finding a photo or a? Yeah, I've got, a, I've got a photo. I've got a photo. <laughs> Where is it? It's going to take a while here. Oopsie, yeah. Don't oopsie, worry, oopsie. You're crap it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah take yeah, your yeah. time. You're lagging, bud. Oh my goodness. Oh, oh no, we may have just oh, lost JD, uh, JD oh. actually. That's oh, what oh, happened. Good. Perfect yeah. timing. Perfect timing. <laughs> Great, you broke it, Janie. <laughs> what what yeah, were you finding? Second. I've got a photo. Still of me. It. Yeah, I've got it here. Oh, where is it? Oh, where is it? Where in is Kokomo? It? 
Uh, Why do you do this? Why don't you just like let me continue with the show and then we circle back to it? I don't get this like. Hold on, one sec, one sec, because it's not one sec. Wait for it. Wait for it. Just left. Yeah, Yeah, there he is. Jesus Murphy. Scanned with camp scanner. (laughs) (laughs) Who is this guy? That Who's is, that guy? Uh, that's our that's our neighbour actually, uh, Ronnie, or from Sunbury, all the way over to London. He came home for a uh, family holiday, so I let him slip behind the bar there while I poured him a beer. There you go. That was worth it, wasn't it? For sure. <laughs> totally. If I could hear Kokomo play to the background, I would have enjoyed it. I love me a good Kokomo. I had to show us a photo of you with an old guy holding a beer. Hold on, hold on. Let me find this picture scared. of an old guy. I'm just, right. I'm, you know, just showing that I used to be a barman back in the day. No, we know that. Pretty quick. I was quick to scan that with cam scanner yeah. and get it up. Nice. That, that was impressive, that part. Uh, all right, guys. We uh, had some big news there yesterday. Sort of already talked about it. It's what inspired Joel Embiid to go for 40 and 13. Uh, Nuggets big man, Nikola Jokic, officially named 2020-21 most valuable player. Became the first player in franchise history to win MVP. Uh, led the Nuggets to a 47 and 25 overall record. Averaged 26.4 points per game, 10.8 rebounds, and 8.3 assists. Unbelievable numbers. Three-time All-Star beat out fellow finalist Joel Embiid and Steph Curry for that honor. He had 971 total points, including 91 first-place votes. Lee, not a surprise that he won it, but were you shocked by who got second, who got votes? I'll throw up the actual MVP oh. breakdown, but. Okay, yeah, I was about to use somebody else. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, no, not a shock that he won it. Of course, uh, I think he was the favourite there for the last certainly the last couple of months, and uh, really happy that he did. He, um, you know, it was a, it was a convincing victory and a well deserving one. He he's been fantastic this season. Um, you know, there was uh, some votes spread out there. Joel Embiid only getting one second place vote. Uh, sorry, one first place vote was a bit of a surprise considering uh, Steph got five. Giannis himself got one, and then Chris Paul also picked up two, and Derek Rose, people talk about that. That was the fan vote that got him a uh, That was first the fan vote that no one knew about, apparently. No, I know. That's funny you say that, because I was like, I didn't know they were even doing that this year, but it does just prove Derek Rose has got some incredible uh, loyal fans out there. Like, his his stands are, like, <laughs> crazy, man. They it might on. prove that. It might also prove this was buried on the NBA.com site so deep that, like, one Derek Rose fan found this thing and clicked on Derek Rose. It might just yeah. be one person, but you're probably right. There is a but, lot of um, D-Rose fans out there. You know, so uh, oh, let's start with Jokic. Uh, yeah, it, deserving uh, an incredible play, an incredible talent. Uh, does so much for his team on both ends of the floor. And uh, I'm so happy that he's able to win it because he certainly, when you look at, uh, you know, when you look at him, he's not the most sort of athletic looking guy out there, but he's very, very talented uh, and plays the game with such an incredible high IQ. His passes are amazing. His ability to score in so many different ways is incredible. Uh, and he really does carry his team. So so, so very happy for him and for the Denver Nuggets, the first ever in franchise history. And uh, just just a great, great moment for Nikola Jokic's family. Three years in a row now, we've had a non-US born MVP. Obviously, Giannis won two in a row there. But uh, that also just shows, again, it's, it's such a global game. Such a global game. And you're seeing versatile, different players uh, win this. And I think that's great for the league and great for basketball. And pretty incredible, Trey, that... This is a guy that was drafted 41st overall. I mean, this is a deep sort of second-round pick, and he turns into what took six years to be a, a runaway MVP runner. Oh, winner, excuse me. Yeah, the vote wasn't even close in the end, as expected, because the entire season it felt like we were comparing Jokic to anybody else, and nobody really stood the test of time over the entire season. Uh, yeah, lowest drafted MVP ever, and as you saw 
going around on Twitter last night, when Nikola Jokic was actually drafted, there was a Taco Bell commercial (laughs) on ESPN. (laughs) Pretty incredible stuff. Was it for a quesarito, perhaps? Something like that? I don't even think they have the product that they were selling at Taco Bell anymore, but the Nuggets have Nikola Jokic, and somebody in the stream team suggested, is Nikola Jokic the best Nugget already? Of all time. First MVP. I, mean, I guess it's Alex English. Alex English. Uh, Carmelo. Carmelo, yep. Yeah, that's going to be, it's actually going to be interesting at the end of both his career and um, Melo's career because, I don't know, we've talked about it before. Will Melo have his jersey retired by the Nuggets? He wore 15 for the Nuggets. Yeah. So does Nikola oh, yeah. Jokic, who yeah. now has an MVP and is still just getting started with Denver. I was happy to see that Jokic got it. Nobody was surprised. And apparently Shaq told him, because of you, the big man is back. <laughs> Love to hear that. First center to win MVP since Shaq, unless you're counting Giannis, who won it the past two years, <laughs> and, who is seven yeah. feet tall and, you know, 285 pounds of pure muscle. Yeah, and then even if you want to play the old Tim Duncan game there, too, <laughs> yeah. a couple yeah. after yeah, Shaq, yeah, yeah. but pretty close. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it, the big man is back, though. Embiid coming second, too, uh, Tass. Uh, one, two, pretty rare for the for the giant guys of this league. Um, anything to add to this with Jokic? Uh, officially getting what we expected for at least the last couple months. Yeah, uh, just back to Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan entered the sphere a couple ways. Yeah, I always looked uh, at it as, yeah, Tim Duncan slash Kevin Garnett were the last guys, the last big guys to win it. Uh, Also, yeah, the international route, Tim Duncan entered that conversation because there was a graphic that went up. Steve Nash, Hakeem Olajuwon, Yais Tetekupo, Dirk Nowitzki, and Tim Duncan, the international winners. But come on, Tim Duncan, come on. He played for (laughs) USA Basketball. Uh, I just loved his head coach, Michael Malone, wearing this shirt. was badass, I thought. Uh, For for a coach, you know, staying young, staying hip, to be wearing a shirt that had all the things that Jokic has been... uh, uh, wrongfully assigned all the labels too skinny can't jump slow flapper the kid from denver that's an interesting one uh poor defender <laughs> 41st pick bad attitude slow feet yeah uh so he's, he's obviously got coach in his corner i thought that was uh that was pretty neat by too by skinny Michael. i was yeah, gonna say i, I was never heard real that. early <laughs> yeah, the, that back up. Too skinny. yeah that was i guess that uh, maybe this is uh they're throwing shots at lee ellis who uh after Jokic got in shape before the bubble last year said i don't know if he's gonna be Good, now that he's in incredible mm. shape. Took the Nuggets to the Western Conference Finals and then won the MVP. So, yeah, I mean, uh, too skinny, I guess. Uh, what, what do you think about how he got the award? Like, in the, uh, you know, team meeting, you know, they're watching the big screen, and here comes Adam Silver, and uh, just how, how it was uh, awarded to Jokic, the news that he had won MVP. Loved not, it. Not the most. No, yeah, not, I thought it was a little. Eh. Yeah, because the other one's been did. so great too. This one, yeah. I don't even the camera angles that we were seeing. I was like, yeah. I can't even see him, man. What's he doing? Uh, you saw him like, at one point with his phone talking to his family, and, and he was like, <laughs> he was like, like yeah, <laughs> that was the best part of it. But uh, yeah, a little surprised they didn't seem to put a little something more thought behind it. But maybe, maybe they spoke to the Nuggets, and the Nuggets were just like, let's just do it. You know, at the end of practice or film session or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, some of the other ones had been a little more uh, unique in terms yes. of like uh, awarding the guys, the surprising them, whatever it was, mm. whatever. I, I hate seeing it. stuff in like a ballroom, you know, that looks like a yeah. hotel yeah. Yeah. conference room. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it just kills the vibe. Yeah, I'm with you. Right. I guess I guess there's been good ones in hotel conference rooms though. Like KD feels like it was. I mean, it was just a presser, but that was all KD's speech. Yeah, 
you're the real MVP. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the press conference. That's a good point. I just like let's just go back to like right before the game, in front of your home crowd. Bring them out there, hand it to them. I guess they don't want that anymore. Maybe because of what Akeem did to David Robinson. I don't know. <laughs> maybe he ruined that. Uh, but congrats to Jokic, to all his fans. I mean, a big part of it was he played all 72 games. That that was uh, that's amazing for a guy his size and the load that he has to carry, especially offensively. I think he was one of just 11 players in this really weird pandemic year to play all 72 games. And and that's a, and, and I don't think that's the only reason he won this. Don't get me wrong. Like, but that helped his case over. Your Embiid's over your Curry's over a lot of guys that just ultimately miss time. That's a that's and that's fine. That's an incredible thing to do, to play that many games and to put up still one of the best statistical seasons in NBA history, um, and pretty pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, so I think that's why Jokic. Lillard picked him. Damian Lillard was vocal in saying Jokic should be the sure. guy because I think a lot of players, yeah, uh, that that playing every game was uh, yeah it deserved a little bit higher level of respect this season. I think everybody understood you know, crunched season. Playing more games, yeah, it should be should be valued a little bit more, even if he's too skinny or too fat or whatever people call him. I don't know. He's just awesome. That's what he is, and he should be friggin' respected for it. Let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Yes, well, uh, we talked about it, and it is that tweet that came in from last night. A few people had it, but I got them from uh, the Hurry Up NBA saying that uh, Nikola Jokic got drafted during a Taco Bell commercial. There he is at the bottom there. Powell Ford from Serbia. <laughs> Congrats. Oh, wow. Yeah. Look at this thing. Yeah, what is that? Wow. Is, is, oh. The quesarito. Oh, yeah. yeah. Man, look at the cheese pull on that thing. Yeah. So uh, not, not a, uh, he certainly didn't uh, blast his way onto the scene there. It wasn't like, wow, this guy could win MVP in seven years' time. Instead, oh. it was just a taco or a quesarito. So. Yeah, that's not just a taco, man. That's like three layers. But I, I could hear the theme song in this commercial being Bermuda, Bahama, ooh, I want to take for a quesarito. <laughs> oh, man, too. Like this it. is full circle, too. A Taco Bell commercial while Jokic is getting drafted. Last big man to actually win it, like we said. Official center big man, Shaquille O'Neal. He was going to have a Taco Bell one-on-one game with Hakeem Olajuwon. Ah, wow. Yeah. Who spanked David Robinson after he won MVP and beat going off. This is It's all connected, man. Oh, I feel yeah. like I got that, that meme, Charlie Day meme, where I'm looking at the board. Yeah. Trey's nickname is Taco Trey Kirby. He oh, is the biggest Nikola Jokic uh, supporter. Same birthday? Uh, As the Joker? Yeah. Wow. So I guess that's the key, man. Uh, if you're watching the NBA draft that's coming up here, Pay attention to the Taco Bell commercials because they've got a deep tie-in to NBA centers. If somebody over seven foot gets drafted during a Taco Bell commercial, great things are in store. Are you going to bet on uh, Taco Fall to win uh, (laughs) next season? He's a big guy. That's a super big guy. That's that's exactly right. Who am I? Mike Breen? Taco Bell? Taco Fall? Most improved. Let's call it most improved for next year. What was that Burger King sandwich that they advertised during the game? It was just a random... Quesarito reminded me that there's a a new BK Ching. It's like a Ching or something. I don't know. I just like... Chiking or something? Like, I don't know. I I think you're right. Yeah, I think Chiking. What I don't know what that one was, but the other one there um, that's been advertised a lot is like, 
it's a it's a taco, but the taco is a piece of fried chicken. Like it's a fried chicken yeah. shell. <laughs> I mean, Taco Bell always pushing the envelope. Oh, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> that's an exciting one. That's a little scary. A little scary. I can't believe I don't know really what you're talking about, Tass, because I should, because all we watch is the same 12 commercials over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah, this one, this one, you're right. This one was an in-game lower third ad (laughs) read by Kevin Harlan. Yeah, Uh, King. Yeah, it's a chicken. They're trying to copy the chick with a big chicken sandwich. The chicken. Oh, now I get it. Chicken, chicken sandwich. Burger King. Chicken, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, tonight's game. Cool. Nuggets. Mm, I could use some of those right now. Now, after all this food talk versus the Suns. Game two. What's one thing to watch for? Let's make this quick, Trey. Jokic doesn't have two bad games in a row. Had a one assist game. Game one against Portland. Followed that up with 38, 8, and 5. In game four, 16 points for Jokic. He got called out for being soft by Michael Malone post game. Followed that up with probably his best game in the playoffs so far. 38, 11, and 9. Had a subpar game one, no doubt. Uh, played to a draw by DeAndre Ayton. Ayton was phenomenal in game one, but if the Nuggets want to win this series, Jokic has to uh, to win that matchup against DeAndre Ayton. One win in Phoenix is a success for the Nuggets, so I'm looking for an MVP monster-type game from Nikola Jokic tonight. Lee, I'm going to put you on the spot, but mm. uh, give, me a, give me a player from tonight's game, either team, that could have a Shake Milton-like performance. Mm. Uh, does Mikhail Bridges count? Or not really, I mean. Yeah, I'll take it. Sure. Yeah. So you got Bridges having another good game. Yeah. Back-to-back, because he was awesome in game one. He's been good for them so, so many times this season. Uh, fun to watch. I think uh, he does get a chance as well to open up with those three-pointers because, you know, Booker and Chris Ball are going to be defending him. So Bridges just in the corner there can knock him down. Give me Bridges for six three balls. Tass, you got a prediction for tonight's uh, only game on. One game. We get to focus solely on Nuggets Suns. What's it? You got a prediction for tonight's game? Well, it's def- definitely the matchup I'll be watching as DeAndre Ayton trying to guard Nicole Jokic, who was so good guarding him in the first game, just never got sped up on defense. I know we talk about being sped up on offense, but Jokic finds a way to get guys in the air or out of position or mm-hmm. puts them in the basket. But Aiton was just so solid like he has been whenever he's guarded Jokic. Does that continue? Can they find an, a way to try and get Aiton off the floor? Because if he does come off the floor, maybe we'll get a Frank Kaminsky game. Maybe. Ooh. Maybe. This is deep. And they may not even play Frank Kaminsky. Uh, but, yeah, he could get hot. He's, he's just a different kind of player. He's your Kelly Olenek out there uh, bombing threes as a, as a big man, even though they went to Dario Sarge first. So I, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, what, what's Jokic going to do? He should should come back and give it to Aiton. But Aiton, again, has been ridiculously solid. He's not, not pumping on those pumpers. He's not mm-hmm. jumping in the air. So can't wait. Correct me if I'm wrong, but did a Nuggets player let it slip that Will Barton might be returning yeah, for someone's game too? Yeah, who was that? I can't remember off the top of my head who said that, but still Will doubtful, Barton right? Or... Could be back mm. is what they yeah, they people think that he sort of let it slip though, that he might be back in the lineup. Mm. So we'll see. Game two, Nuggets, Suns. We'll be back tomorrow morning to break it all down. You can join us live at 10 a.m. Eastern here on YouTube. We'll turn it around as quick as humanly possible to get it up to your podcast feed you can join us later today beach step in you guys sent in your questions and your comments keep them coming no dunks at theathletic.com tweet them in at no dunks inc live at 3 p.m eastern back on youtube to uh answer some of your cues nba questions and non-nba questions uh always a blast so hopefully we'll see some of you here in the stream team at 3 p.m eastern clever bros 
You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, John Stamos likes the Beach Boys and Oikos Yogurt. Embrace the day, people.